Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome Pastor Bob and Becky Ryan with us here this morning. They're uh, here in town to to uh, remember our dear friend John Oyen, who is now in the presence of Jesus. We had the opportunity to uh, have a memorial service for John Oyen yesterday and Pastor Bob, who was uh, our kids pastor back in the day twice, uh, had him come and he was able to lead that service. And it was a great memory together. It's good to have you guys back and with us here in Omaha. You know, I hear that in uh, Florida, the storm shelters are, are, are full and they're having to turn people away. Uh, we need to keep them in our prayers. And at the same time, I'm very grateful that God's storm shelters are never full. There's always room for those who are experiencing storms in their life. Uh, the Bible says that, that God is a shelter in time of storm. And I don't know what you're going through in your world. And uh, I know uh, Carissa Carter's parents, they pastor in Florida. And uh, uh, that storm is just heading right towards them. And they've got the the house all boarded up. And they've got 20 people in the house and family members. And and they're just bracing themselves for this storm. And um, I'm just thankful that whether it's a physical storm or or a relational storm, whatever it is, that there's a place you can run to. There's a shelter. There's a place you can run to. And this isn't just Bible. This is reality. God is a shelter in time of storm. And and I'll tell you what, um, we're living in the last days. And uh, we, we recognize that um, more storms are coming, more signs from heaven, earthquakes and hurricanes. It's all in the Bible. And the labor pains are getting closer and closer together because Jesus is about to return to the earth. And so as the as the labor pains come closer together and the storms come closer together, we have a shelter to run to. We have a place to run to. His name's Jesus, but not all the world knows of Jesus. Out of the seven billion people on planet Earth, three billion people have never heard the name of Jesus. They have no idea there's a shelter in time of storm. And that's why we are so committed to reaching the unreached peoples of this world. And we believe that um, we have to go after the unreached people who've never heard the name of Jesus because Jesus is worthy to be worshipped by every nation on planet Earth. And so we're very, very intentional about going where no man has gone before. And uh, we are sending missionaries out of glad tidings. God's raising them up. We're sending them out. Uh, Dan and Liz Carl, I don't know if they're in the service this morning. Shout out if you're here. Not in this one, but we sent them to Haiti years ago. We've uh, we, we've sent uh, missionaries to all over the place. And just recently, uh, just a few years ago, we sent um, uh, Jeremy and Melissa Settle to East Africa to an unreached people group there. And they served there in East, East Africa for two years and uh, they came back and they've been back with us for almost a year. And now we're getting ready to launch them to the unreached peoples in Japan. And so they're going to Japan and they are leaving at the end of this month, the end of September. Uh, they're going to be with us next Sunday to give a report, to give an update. And uh, next Sunday is our opportunity to help launch them into the future, into the unreached peoples that God has called them to reach. You know, Jesus told all of us, he said, go, I'm sending you. He didn't leave any of us out. 
So the question is not if God has called you to go, but to whom has God, God called you to go to? And so who, let me just ask you that this morning. Who has God called you to go to? To bring the gospel to? And you might say, well, it's not Japan. It's not East Africa or West Africa. Where is it? It could be West Omaha. It could be East Omaha. It could be right in your office place. Jeremy and Melissa, they're going to Japan. They have $14,000 yet to raise in cash before they can go. $2,000 in monthly support. And so here's the deal. We're their last stop on their way out. So we got to come up with $14,000. Can we do it? Can we send them? Listen, they're family. When God raises them up from this house, we carry the weight of that responsibility of sending them out. Bases are loaded. Next week, let's hit a home run, a grand slam. Let's send them all around the bases. Let's send them to where they need to go. All right, next Sunday, let's do it. So come prepared next week to make a sacrificial gift. If you would do that, go beyond what you would normally do for missions. Next week is Mission Sunday. We're going to encourage you to designate in that offering and let's send them. Let's do what God has called us to do. And that is to go to the nations. All right. How many of you were with us last Sunday? How many of you got some Holy Ghost last Sunday? Right. You got some Corey Russell, but that he was just a vessel for you to get the Holy Ghost, right? Man, we've had a lot of different vessels that have come and they've preached over this past summer, all kinds of different gifts. We've had Walt Hooker and Bob Thune Jr., my wife and Corey Russell. And somebody came up to me and said, man, I could listen to Corey Russell every week, man, like just every week. And I didn't take it personally. I'm OK with that. <laughs> you know, back in high school, I had a I had a high school teacher um, she went on a, a special diet and she ate carrots for three months. Nothing but carrots for three months. Do you know what happened? She turned orange. She turned orange. Well, if all you eat is carrots, you'll start looking like a carrot. It's true, right? If all you eat is one gift in the body of Christ, you'll start looking kind of odd. You'll look a little fruity. You might look like a vegetable. You understand what I'm saying? See, if all you get is Walt every week, you're going to look like a carrot. Yeah. True. You don't want to look like a carrot. Now, what's the point? God has given various gifts in the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, we read that Jesus gave the church. He gave the gifts to the church. And some of the gifts were the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. But what we've done over time is in our church age, what we've done is we've said, well, it's all about the pastor. So make sure you hire the right guy who's got it all. Because the pastor, he's got to be great at everything, you know, and then they hired me and they realized, well, that didn't work, you know. <laughs> so what we need is we need all these different giftings, right? We need to hear from all of them. That's the only way that we can be equipped to, to do the work of ministry. So I want you to know that the church is not built on the pastor. Thank God for that. Come on, you can say amen. I won't be offended. 
Thank God it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But he's using these various gifts to build each one of you up. And we thank God for that. All right. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter three. We're going to pick up there. And this Revelation chapter three, verse 20 will be the, uh, the theme verse for the next three weeks. Heard about a pastor who went out on a Saturday afternoon and he went to visit some of his church members and he went up to this one house and began knocking at the door several times, knocking at the door. And and he could see that somebody was home. The lights were on and and he could hear noises in the house and he knew somebody was home, but they were not answering the door. So he took out his little church business card and he wrote Revelation chapter three, verse 20 on the card. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And he wrote that on the card and he stuck it to the door of the house and he left. And next day was church. It was Sunday. And that morning, his business card with the verse he wrote on it showed up in the Sunday morning offering bucket. And when they counted the offering, they pulled the card out. They saw the card and beneath the verse was another verse that somebody had written. And it came out of Genesis 3, verse 10. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. (laughs) All right. That's why I don't do house calls. I don't do house calls. A little background on Revelation chapter 3. It had been 60 years since Jesus left the earth and he went to heaven. And some things had happened on the earth and with the church that uh, it's not good news. Uh, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. Uh, The apostles, they they were all martyred. They were all dead except the apostle John. John had been... uh, He'd been exiled to this island called Patmos. And on this island, um, he had visions and revelations from God. And he recorded the revelation of Jesus Christ in the book that we call Revelation. The church was under heavy persecution during this time. And the witness of the church was not what it should be. It was under a lot of pressure. Uh, And it was in this context that the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, he had a vision from God. And in this vision that he got from God, he saw... Jesus actually walking among the churches. We call them the churches of Revelation, but they were actually the, the churches of Asia. They were all in this part of Asia that we now call Turkey. And in this vision, he saw Jesus walking among all these churches and he was encouraging these churches, what they were doing well, and he was correcting them. But you need to repent and do this. And and he was doing this for all the churches, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and the seventh church that that he spoke to was the church called Laodicea. It was the church in this city called Laodicea. And a lot of scholars believe that these seven churches actually represent um, seven periods in church history. And the last church, Church of Laodicea, represents the church of the end days, the last times, which we're living in. Now, I don't know if, if that's true or not, but I think it's worth Leaning into and looking at this last church could represent the church of the last days. So let's look at it. Revelation chapter three, verse 14. And I am going to um, preach part of this passage this week and then another part of it next week. 
Verse 14, to the angel, that means the messenger or the passenger of the, or pastor, excuse me, passenger, pastor of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the amen, which means true. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus said this, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, let's let's just stop there for just a moment. And I want to jump ahead now. I want to jump ahead to verse number 19. Because the rest of the passage we'll look at next week. So verse number 19, let's go there. To those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. And here's that verse, verse number 20. Now we have the context. Here I am, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. So now we have the context of Revelation 3.20. And we see that Jesus has something to say about this church. And he says that neither he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And then he says something very interesting. And this is where I want to dig in today a little bit, because I think I have misunderstood this verse for many years. He says this, I wish you were either one or the other. In other words, I wish you were either hot or you were cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Why would Jesus use the words cold and hot and lukewarm to describe this church? Um, I've always thought that Jesus was talking about spiritual temperature. Did you ever think that too? And and maybe he was. I'm not real sure. But there's something interesting. If he's talking about our spiritual temperature uh, and he's saying, I'd rather you be, be hot. In other words, dedicated, fully in, all passionate about me, right? Or cold, maybe indifferent or even unsaved or 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 whatever. Why would he say that? Why would why would Jesus say, I would rather that you are cold? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm a logical guy. And my wife hears me say it all the time. That doesn't make a bit of sense. It doesn't make a bit of sense to me. Why would Jesus want us to be cold? I mean, that'd be like saying, Carrie, I wish you would be hot for me, fully in love with me, or I wish you would be cold toward me. I wouldn't want her cold. Okay, I'm going to say in church, I would want her hot. I want her hot. In the fully committed sense of the word. Okay. So why would Jesus, I would rather you hot or cold. To understand that, we have to go back in time. We have to look at a little bit of geography, a little bit of history to understand what he was talking about. The city of Laodicea had a problem and it had a water problem. Okay. Uh, And Jesus knew about this water problem. So that's why he's talking about water. Hot water, cold water, lukewarm water. And and here's the deal. Laodicea had a water problem. But seven miles away, there was this city called Hierapolis. And it stood up on this small little hill, Hierapolis did. And at the base of Hierapolis was this natural hot mineral spring. And I want to show you some pictures of this hot mineral spring. It still exists today. 
It's this beautiful place that you and I would all love to go to right now and do what these people are doing. It looks like snow, but it's not. It's this it's it's calcified minerals over the years. It's turned into this white mineral deposit that it looks like a ski slope almost. And uh, what's interesting is, is the people in Turkey, they have a name for it. It's called the Cotton Castle. It's really cool. About the same distance from, show a few pictures. Yeah, that's good right there. About the same distance from Laodicea is another city. So we got Hierapolis over here and then we have Colossae over here. And Colossae, what they had was they had, let's show the next slide. They had these cold, refreshing natural springs. And another picture of that. So if you were to go to Colossae today, this is exactly what you would see. I don't know if these cold springs looked like that back then, but they look like that today. So it was water or the lack thereof that set Laodicea apart. Unlike its neighbors, Laodicea, it had absolutely no springs at all. It had to import its water via an aqueduct from somewhere else. Hot mineral from Hierapolis, hot mineral water from there, and cold, refreshing water from Colossae. And the only way that it could come to Laodicea was through an aqueduct. And we've got some pictures of that as well. Some of the aqueducts still are, are there today. You can go to Turkey today and you can see these. And this is how they used to transport that water. It's the only way that you could get hot water to Laodicea and cold water to Laodicea was through those aqueducts. The trouble was by the time that the water from either city made it to Laodicea, it had lost the qualities that made it remarkable. The hot water was no longer hot and the cold water was no longer cold. And Laodicea was left with nothing but lukewarm water, all the lukewarm water they could drink. But I'm sure that in their hearts, they were thinking to themselves, I sure wish that we either had hot or cold water. But all we are stuck with is this lukewarm mineral water. And this lukewarm mineral water that they had would trigger the gag reflex. It would trigger the gag reflex, causing them to want to vomit. Okay. How many of you glad we have hot water in our homes and cold water in our homes, right? A study was done, an online study was done of the 30 most horrendous sounds in all the world. And the vomiting came out on the top as the most, the worst sound in the world. How many of you would agree with that sound? You tell your kids, if you're going to throw up, shut the door. I don't want to hear it. Right. I remember when I was a kid, um, when we had a sore throat, my mom would make us gargle with this hot salt, this, this not hot, but this lukewarm, salty water. Do you parents do that today? Do you do that today? That, that's child abuse. I'm going to report you. I mean, that's just wrong. And I'd be... You know, I mean, it just... It's the worst stuff in the world. I'm like, this doesn't help at all, you know? I think it was just discipline and she just called it medicine. But anyway... I don't think there's really much use for lukewarm water. Except maybe for a good enema. And I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. It's nasty. What do you use lukewarm water for, right? So this is all that Laodicea had, right? 
There's this great source out here, seven miles away, hot mineral springs. There's a great source out here in Colossae, these, this cold water. But we don't have a spring of our own, so we have, to, we have to channel it in somehow. And by the time we get it, it's lukewarm. It makes us want to throw up. What's interesting is, if I was, if I was standing right here at, on Laodicea, if I was standing in the city and I could look up and I could, seven miles away on the hillside, I could see Hierapolis. And if I looked down this direction, another several miles away, I could see Colossae. And I imagine that Jesus in that vision that he gave John that day, he was standing and he was, maybe he was pointing to both of these cities. And he was saying to Laodicea, I wish you were hot. Or I wish you were cold. In other words, he was saying, I wish you had a hot spring like Hierapolis in your own, in your own backyard. And I wish you had a cold spring like Colossae within your own borders. But as it is, you have no spring at all and you're living off of borrowed water. You're living off of borrowed water. And I wonder if that's what Jesus was going for. Laodicea church, I wish you had a hot, soothing spring within you like Hierapolis. I wish you had a cold, refreshing spring within you like Colossae. Instead, you're living, you're living on borrowed water. By the time it gets to you, it's lost its potency to heal you. And it's lost its potency to refresh you. And I think Jesus was saying, oh, how I wish you had a spiritual hot spring of your own. I wish you had a spiritual cold spring of your own. And I wonder if some of us here today were like Laodicea. You're lukewarm because you're living on borrowed water. You're living on borrowed revelation. You're living off of someone else's devotions. You're like a leech. In order for you to survive, you have to suck the life out of somebody else. Because you have no life of your own. It never satisfies though because it's borrowed. It's borrowed water. It's borrowed. You have to keep going. It's borrowed life. You jump from one host to another. If I could use that analogy. You jump from Hierapolis to Colossae. From one relationship to another relationship. And you're looking You're looking for water, but you're always borrowing it. You're jumping from one podcast to the next, from one conference to the next conference, from one mentor to the next mentor. Oh, I need a mentor from one church to another church. You're living on borrowed water because you have no spring of your own. And God is wanting you to hear today what that church of Laodicea heard. You're living on borrowed water, but I want to cause a, a new spring to spring up within you. So you don't have to go borrow water anymore. You've got it right here within you. In scripture, water always symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Always symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John chapter 4 verse 13. He was talking to the the woman at the well. Before we go to that scripture. He was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And they had this big long discussion and and. And he says, well, go get your husband, bring your husband here. She says, I have no husband. And he says, he says, you're right. He said, you, you've had five. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. 
In other words, you've had five wells and the well you're drinking out of right now is not your own well. Borrowed water. It will never satisfy. And Jesus said this. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him. Remember, water symbolizes the spirit. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's time to stop living off of borrowed water. It's time to hear the knock at the door, to hear the voice at the door. His name is Jesus. He wants you to open the door to him. And what he wants to give you is a greater portion of his Holy Spirit. He wants to give you so much of his spirit that it becomes like the spring of living water. You don't have to go run here and run there and borrow it from your, your wife and borrow it from your husband. And borrow it from your pastor. Oh, I just got to get the word today. I got to go to church today because I don't know how I'm going to make it this week if I don't. That's borrowed water. It's not my job to feed you. It's your job to feed yourself. It's my job to equip you to feed yourself and to do the work of ministry. Kids grow teeth for a reason. And every mama knows it's time to stop nursing that baby when the teeth start coming in. Those teeth were meant for chewing meat. Some of you got teeth. God's giving you teeth to eat the meat of the word of God every day. He's given you. He's given it to you. He's given you his spirit. You can live out of that spirit. The Bible says that the glory of the new covenant is this glory within that Corey Russell was talking about last week. The mystery of the gospel is this Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh, man, I bring church with me wherever I go. I can't wait to get to church. I'm so empty. Listen, you are the church and you've got the spirit of God living in you as a deposit within you. If you're born again here today, but Jesus wants an overflow an overflow. I'm tired of living on borrowed water. I got married to the most incredible person in the world. But for so many years, I was living off of her water. I was living off of her water, off of her revelation, off of her relationship with God, off the truth that she had to give me, off of the wise counsel she had to give me. And at one point in my life, I said, you know what? I got to go off and get my own revelation, my own wisdom from God. I don't want to know what what Jesus spoke to you in your bedroom. I want to know what Jesus has to say to me in my bedroom. Man, it's so available. Pastor Jason said it so well. He could have just preached and we all go home today. So true. Jesus never called himself the living water. He called himself the bread of life, but never the living water. And the reason is, is because the living water that he promised to give is the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the church in Laodicea what to do to get their own spiritual spring. And he said this, he said, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Back in the day, um, they would eat three meals a day like we do. I eat six a day, but they ate three meals a day. Uh, 
They had breakfast and it was usually a, a piece of, of bread or uh, sop or and it would it maybe be dipped in some wine. And that was their breakfast. Um, lunch would be on the go. They'd pack a sack lunch with them. The workers would go out. The man would go out or the woman would go out and they would work and they would bring just a, a quick bite to eat that you would just kind of eat on the run like many of us do here today. But it was the dinner meal that Jesus was talking about here. It was the last meal of the day, the one that everybody looked forward to the most. It was the longest meal. It was the most food. It was the meal that you lingered over. You just hung out there. All the work was done. We can sit down and we can relax and enjoy this meal and we can eat and we can talk and we can eat and we can talk. And Jesus said, that's the kind of meal I want to eat with you. He said, I'm tired of fast food. I'm tired of drive through relationship." On the go stuff. Jesus is saying, I'm knocking because I don't want just this quick come and go thing. I want to sit down and spend some extravagant time with you. And in those moments of extravagant time with Jesus, he does something within us. He puts his spirit in us. He fills us full to overflowing. We become like this artesian well. Overflow, overflow. How many of you feel so empty sometimes? God's saying, it's because you need a spring of your own. Open the door. Let me come in and fill you. This isn't a one-time altar call on a Sunday morning after the 930. This is every day. Put yourself before the presence of God. God, I need a fresh filling of your spirit today. God, I'm going to be living on borrowed water unless today you fill me fresh. Fill me fresh. Fill me with this, this spring of living water. Fill me with your Holy Spirit fresh today. Listen, we are going into a season in the church age where we are going to become so dependent on the Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. We're going to wrap things up here today. How many of you feel like, you know what, maybe I've been living on borrowed water? I can hear Jesus saying, man, I I wish you had a hot spring of your own. I wish you had a cold, refreshing spring of your own. I think the church of Laodicea, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Oh, you're right, Jesus. We so want our own spring of water, our own spiritual spring of water. God, we need our own revelation of you. God, we don't want to live off of someone else's revelation. We need a fresh revelation of you. God, we need to hear that voice. We want to respond today by opening that door. God, we want to live out of overflow. Overflow. Some of you don't feel like Jesus really wants to spend time with you. You stand at the door, you hear him knocking, you hear his voice, and you're like, you know, I don't think he really wants to be with me. But the Bible says, it says that he wants to come in. It says, if you hear his voice and you open the door, he will come in and eat with you and you with him. In other words, It was a mutual enjoyment that you would share with one another. Have you ever gone out to eat with somebody and you were just doing it as a favor? You're like, eh, 
they want to eat with me, but I really don't want to eat with them. Come on, be honest, right? I don't really want to be here, but they asked, so here I am. That's not the way it works with God. He is so excited to sit down and eat with you and be with you. More than you might be of Him. I want to come in and eat with you and you with me. It's this this mutual enjoyment that we can have with one another. I want to encourage you today, if you would stand to your feet as, as we just finish and we respond here today. We're going to sing this song, Holy Spirit. And if you feel like you've been, you've been in that place where you've been living on borrowed water and you need God to do, to fill you, to fill you with His Spirit overflowing, I'm going to encourage you to come forward. I'm going to encourage you to come forward right now as I'm speaking. If you're here today and you, you know that you are not right with God, you are far from God, you know that your sin has separated you from a holy God, this is a great opportunity for you to admit your guilt, confess your sin, and say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to give you to give me your Holy Spirit and for you to come and live within me and forgive me. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to come. So if you're here today and you're ready to open the door and let me just do that right now. I don't like this door shut. Let's open the door. Can we open the door? Can we open the door? We're going to let Jesus in and do what? He's going to fill us with his spirit in amazing ways this morning. God, pour out your spirit in this place. If you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, come join me at this altar. God, fill us afresh. God, forgive us, God, for living off of borrowed water, God. For looking to others, God, to fill us. Forgive us for looking to relationships to fill us. And pastors to fill us. And counselors to fill us. God, we ask that you would fill us in this place. Fill us fresh. Fill us new today, God. We open the door to you. We want to linger with you, God. building to linger with Jesus you might find a room in your house that becomes your lingering place a place where you sit down and you, you eat with Jesus and you're certainly welcome to come to the church we have a prayer room it's open all day long we have corporate prayer meetings every day at 6am at noon and at 6.30pm so maybe this week you'll you'll want to come to the church and maybe, maybe you're in your heart, you're like, you know what? I'm going to give myself to prayer this week. I'm going to give myself to prayer. I'm going to come to the prayer room and I'm going to pray. It's open all day long. Anytime you like, time to linger before God. Some of you are thinking about fasting still. (laughs) Haven't made the decision to jump in. Let me encourage you to do this between now and Wednesday. Fast something. Maybe it's media, screen time. Maybe it's sugar, coffee, football. I don't know what it might be for you, right? Could be a partial fast, just fruits and vegetables. But the reason to fast is not to get God's attention, but to give our attention to God. 
And when we do, some powerful things happen. So let's give more of our attention to God this week. We'll see you at one of our prayer meetings this week. Uh, We're going to continue to to linger here in the altars if you want to spend some time with us. I want to encourage you, if you're a guest, to stop by our Welcome Center. Guys, I encourage you to sign up for the men's retreat. Uh, Let's linger before God today. If you're interested in being part of our music team, please stop and see our team here at the uh, drum booth afterwards. God, thank you that you're with us today. Thank you that we don't have to live on borrowed water, but God, you want to create a spring of life right within all of us that overflows and fills, gets filled every day. God, I pray that over the next uh, weeks that we are fasting and seeking you, God, that you'd pour out your spirit in this place in ways that we can't imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we encourage you to linger here. If you want to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. Please be respectful. Keep all your talking, all your talking to outside in the lobby. God bless you.